Chapter 43, Children on the Path of Peace The Roman ruins of Ephesus now beckoned, a mere two kilometers from our lodging in nearby Seljuk. We agreed that we couldn't leave such a culturally rich area without seeing all the sights, and so joined tourists from around the world, exploring these magnificent ruins, snapping photos, and eavesdropping on guides explaining to their tour groups the history of this area. From them, we learned of an important pilgrimage site nearby called Miriamana, believed to be location of the House of Mary, who was brought here by St. John the Evangelist after the death of Jesus. During my travels in Egypt, I had learned that Mary was one of the most highly regarded women in Islam and seen as a symbol of virtue, piety, and submission to God's will. No other woman is given more attention in the Quran. Jesus is similarly respected as one of the great prophets. I knew of no other site besides Jerusalem that was venerated by both religions and wanted to see it. The site, a simple brick home deep in the woods atop a nearby mountain, was moving in its simplicity and infused me with serenity. There, we learned that the tomb of St. John, considered one of the most sacred pilgrimage destinations of the Middle Ages, was also nearby. My signs with John, symbolized by the eagle, had faded over time, but whenever they appeared, I paid attention. On a lonely hill near Seljuk, among forgotten and discarded bits of stone and marble, I found the tomb, a slab measuring no more than 50 square meters and adorned by a small identifying plaque. I knelt and caressed it, feeling inexplicably sad. Monuments as grand as the ones we had seen certainly weren't necessary, but somehow this didn't seem fitting either. Thank you for sharing your energy with me, I whispered. I see that you too were trying to teach the way of love and brotherhood, the way that Jesus taught. My eyes are straining to see the essence of those teachings, my heart to understand them. May eagle wings one day deliver me to that place of higher vision. When a breeze kicked up in that blistering midday sun, I couldn't help but feel that my plea had been heard. I would learn that St. Paul of Tarsus had also preached in this area and that Tarsus lay on our route. I reflected that from the beginning of our journey, Without knowing it or planning it, we were walking in the footsteps of the great saints and apostles. It struck me that they had left Jerusalem to spread a message of peace and love, and that we were now returning to Jerusalem with that same message. The message had not changed in all these years, only the messengers. I didn't know what had led us to these sites or what we had received being there. But I had a distinct feeling that these great spirits had called us there, wanting to whisper their secrets and inculcate us with their unique wisdom and energy for the way. It would leave me with a powerful sensation of knowing that they were indeed with us and guiding us. There is something hiding within you, something that you loathe, Alberto said, concentrating on the image in the coffee cup and twirling it in his hands. We were having dinner in a quiet restaurant in Suke, about 40 kilometers south of Ephesus, and Alberto was reading the waiter's coffee cup. He had seen Alberto reading my cup and insisted that he read his as well. 
It looks like a terrible wolf that you want to escape from, Alberto continued. It's inside of you. You trapped it there for no one to see. You feel ashamed of it and have judged and condemned it. It's the part of you that you don't like, that you wish didn't exist. You are afraid that people will discover it and refuse to allow them to know that this side of you exists. The mesmerized waiter leaned in. However, Alberto asserted, it is only an illusion. It is an image that you have created in your mind. Don't hate this monster. Look at it closely, directly in the eyes, and you will see that what you thought was a monster is really a neglected creature that desperately needs your love and acceptance. It's like a frustrated and angry child who doesn't understand why you have jailed it, why you don't love it. If you have the courage to open the gate of its jail and embrace it, you will see that it is an angel there to help you grow. I wondered if the words that Alberto spoke were for the waiter or for himself, if he was receiving a vision or a reminder. Our arguments had persisted, and I thought more than once of leaving him, of abandoning this way of peace, but I didn't. I wanted to see where I and this relationship are going to end. And so I walked. Our bodies continued to deteriorate. Even though I was wearing pants, the area between my thighs was badly chafed and raw, as was the area around my buttocks where the elastic of my underwear rubbed my skin. I had similar chafing and a rash under my breast and underarms where my bra was rubbing. Whiteheads, pimples, and all kinds of skin eruptions littered my backside from the salt of my sweat. Alberto suffered similar chafing and irritation between his legs and down his back. We were physically stronger than ever, capable of walking at least 30 kilometers a day effortlessly. But I felt the heat conspiring against us and prolonging our stay. As a consequence, our rest days became longer in areas that were increasingly touristic. We heard English, German, and Dutch spoken frequently. Bars only closed when the last patron left, and the music could be heard well into the early morning hours. In several beachside restaurants, the male waiters went topless and served our food dangerously close to their hairy chests. Many even joined us at our table, uninvited, trying to make conversation. It was an intrusion into our space that I didn't like. I was already convinced that they only cared about our dollar value, and these blatant actions only reinforced my beliefs. The outer message of peace, along with its messengers, receded, leaving in its wake two people struggling to hold on to their emotional integrity. August was passing quickly in an interminable routine of waking, walking, and sleeping. We passed towns such as Didim, Milas, Bodrum, Marmaris, Dalian, and Fethiye. We heard of floods and heavy rains pounding most of Europe and parts of Turkey, and I found myself longing for the days of walking in the pouring rain. We noticed the sun rising later, giving us longer periods of freshness. I actually shivered some mornings and relished the thought of cooler weather ahead. With September dawning, it seemed that the worst of our arguments had run their course and that our relationship had weathered the storm. 
I radiated a more positive energy, one that attracted people of like heart and mind. Thanks to a bleaching accident during that time, we walked the rose dressed completely in white, drawing renewed attention and accentuating the image of the peace pilgrims. The sign that we now carried on our backpacks simply proclaimed Barish, the Turkish word for peace. We were stopped more often and offered not only meals and drinks, but the more precious gift of understanding and support. Our walk wasn't always easy, but our renowned sense of purpose and peace made the kilometers disappear quickly beneath our feet. We were reaching the first southerly peak of Turkey and eagerly looking northwards to Antalya. To me, it marked the end of the first half of Turkey and meant only a tantalizing 1,000 kilometers to Jerusalem. The number looked large, but we had already walked almost 4,000 kilometers, so in my eyes, we were in the home stretch. We moved towards Calais, which we learned was the burial site of another important saint, Saint Nicholas, upon whom the legend of Santa Claus was based. We were assured that a well-marked trail existed that saved many kilometers off the highway, and so we took it. The unmarked rocky path was grueling, but filled with the type of magical moments that were reminiscent of our early days of walking. From a friendly dog appearing to show us the way when we were lost, to a woman in an abandoned village offering us food and drink when none could be found, to a secluded cove where we bathed for hours. We were in a flow that we hadn't felt in a long time and couldn't remember when we had had so much fun. Finally in Calais, we decided to end that memorable day with a visit to the tomb of St. Nicholas. His remains were purportedly stolen by Italian sailors during the 10th century and were now housed in the Basilica of Bari in Italy. The ruins were well-maintained, but only parts of the tomb remained. In the courtyard, we were drawn to a large bronze statue of Santa Claus with a sack of toys over his shoulders. He stood on a round pedestal base that was covered with flags from various parts of the world. Searching for the Canadian and Spanish flags, we hit upon an engraved inscription that read, 16th International Santa Claus Activities and the Call for World Peace. Children on the Path of Peace. I smiled at the message. Santa Claus, the bearer of gifts, was delivering a precious reminder that we were still on the path, children discovering the way of peace. I couldn't help but feel that our difficulties were part of that path and that our task was to remain on it despite them. But as children, joyful, adventurous, filled with curiosity, always in the moment, and trusting that all worries are taken care of. Ho, ho, ho.